following program is sponsored by Team Reba of REMAX Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I am Reba Hass at Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Happy yes. Saturday. Yes, happy Saturday. We're here every week from 2 to 3 p.m. for your listening pleasure about real estate and mortgage and all things related. That's right. And we are also available outside of 2 to 3 p.m. on Saturdays if you have questions Often. for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frequently solving. Sadly for my my personal life. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. okay. I love it. You and I joke about that. I, I get the call from you about usually 6.30 Friday nights. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're writing up an offer. We need oh, an yes. approval letter. Yes. And if not we Saturday go. at 3 or Sunday at 4 oh, no, no, or no, no. whatever. I wish I knew what banker's <laughs> hours meant like 30-some years ago. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, oh, you know that we're recruiting right now, too, right? Mm-hmm. So, like... That's the conversation I have to have with everyone every single time is, okay, you're leaving like this corporate job or you're leaving this other kind of job where you had Monday through Friday. I'm like, are you prepared? Right. Like, have you told your family about this? Do you have, a, do you like your family? Do you not like your family? Maybe this is a way to get away. I don't know. Oh, you mean, yeah. the, you mean the, the life, the glamorous life of a real estate agent so is glamorous. not just so simple and you just work a couple it's hours a week and that's, all that's the time. it. We just get to yeah. wear like high heels and dresses and wear yeah. pretty makeup and go look at houses and talk to people all day. Yeah. For, for anyone who knows that that is a bunch of baloney mm. or if you didn't know, I posted on my Facebook page like a couple of weeks ago, um, cause this was a former client of ours, right? Um, yeah, we just listed in its pending sale, mm-hmm. but I posted online a Facebook live of me wearing this pretty little green dress. I'm wearing high heels, but I'm wearing wonderful blue rubber gloves because I'm in front of this house picking up garbage. Well, sure. It that was sounds glamorous. That sounds awesome. It was so disgusting. Oh, <laughs> Rotting yeah. food, broken glass. I mean, it was yeah. just like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. It's, it's well, not glamorous. I mean, you know, it's, it's fulfilling work. Yeah. So I do want to say, because we are recruiting, we're looking for more agents. It is really fulfilling work. So if you're humble, hungry, and smart, we want to hear from you. We've got ads out on LinkedIn right now. I've got resumes that Excellent. we're receiving. Yeah. So but yeah, just it, bring your blue gloves. Yeah, yeah. Go get yourself a big you box never know, of them. You never know what you're going to need to <laughs> need to, to to bring to the party on that. Oh yes. Well, you know the glamorous life of banker is uh, not quite what what people envision either. You know, mm-hmm. we're not just sitting back in our easy chairs chomping on cigars. No. Well, maybe sometimes, yeah, but uh, on occasion. No, on occasion, yeah. but uh, no. after a month, well done. <laughs> right. Yeah, for like but, two hours. But you know, <laughs> I'll be I'll be off work. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, be with friends and they'll look at mm-hmm. me and they're like, how come your knuckles are white? And it's like, I know I'm looking at your hands right now, yeah, even no, as I'm, you're describing it, I'm you like, already look like I'm you're like, about to go into PTSD I'm or something. I'm thinking about these files. <laughs> I can't just sort of, you can't let it's, go. it's not the, the job where you can just walk away from the desk for the weekend and yeah. forget about it. You know, no. you have to, you have to be, make sure the files are always moving forward, that we're always making yes. progress. You can't let a file sit for yep. a minute. Or you'll miss a closing date, and uh, and and we really do stress about that. We worry about that, you know, because 
somebody's buying a home, they're financing a home, they're putting their their life on hold, they're making plans, vacations, mm-hmm. money, notice oh, yeah. to their landlords, all the things that go along mm-hmm. with that. And if we screw up, someone's know, very unhappy. Somebody's homeless. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 high stakes. It is. So and so, it's high emotion. That's and that's the other is. thing is we look for people with really high emotional quotients. Yeah. Because you have to be empathetic. In this kind of work, mm-hmm. you can't just be about the money. You know, agency law itself is all about having to put somebody else before your own needs. That's right. Right. And it doesn't mean we have to give up our lives for this person, but what it means is that we can't let commissions, you know, the income earning side of it, the other pieces of it, be the motivator. Right. Well, you and there's a lot of how many times can... that happens out there. Oh, in no, the I know it does. I know it does. But mm. agency law is is built around trying to prevent that. Right. Yeah, you know, right. and there's so many laws that we all have to follow. But, um, you know, I tell people that all the time when we sit down in meetings that it's like there's not even just like there's it's actually more than the four I usually mention. But we have agency law, common law, tort law and good business practices laws, but mm-hmm. we also have consumer protection laws mm-hmm. and several other things that we have to abide by along with the multiple Criminal listing law. service. <laughs> well, we have the multiple listing service that we also have to follow their rules, which when printed is two inches thick. Right. And we also, if you choose to be a realtor, have the code of ethics that you have to follow with that as well. Of course. So, you know, and, and, and you we know do what? all of that. Your laws are just little baby laws compared to the laws oh, that I have to follow yeah. as a lender. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, oh, so. are we having a tit for tat oh, competition yeah. here? Yeah. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll take you down when it comes to rules and regulations. <laughs> We're going to be thumb me. wrestling later. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think but, some people think we do a lot of verbal thumb wrestling. Yeah, we, we got enough of that in in a day anyway. But oh, no, it's, it's, it's so true. But I'm, I'm just, um, you know, but, but yeah, the day doesn't end at the end of the day for, for either of us. No. But if you have questions for us, uh, always happy to jump in and help. Love to solve problems. Yes. Reba, you can be reached where? At info at teamreba.com is my entire team, actually. So mm-hmm. we can get somebody to respond to you right away. Because if you're going to go to one of our classes, if you have a question, you want to set up a, an appointment, <laughs> we can get you taken care of from there. And also my cell phone number for anyone who wants to contact me directly is 206 910-3429. And if you're sending me a text, please just give me your name so I know who I'm talking to and what your question might be. Perfect. And f- for, for me, you. super easy. Eric at ericismybanker.com. That's E-R-I-C. And you can also call me or text me. And my number is 206-915-3742. Easy remember, just 915 Eric. Eric. That's with a it. C. You just with have to C. remember Eric E-R-I-C. with a C, not, not the Nordic That's right. I version. know. I know. Yes. There was a Swede in the family somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's where that <laughs> came from. Nothing wrong with it. That's where that came from. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned that people can go to info at teamreba.com for signing up for our classes. Yes. So we just got done booking another one. Do you want to tell our listeners what that is? Absolutely. If you are a first time home buyer or if you know anybody that is, or it's just been a while since you bought a home, lots of, lots of things have changed. This is the official Washington State Housing Finance Commission sponsored class. Reba and I mm-hmm. volunteer for the Washington State Housing Finance Commission. Been doing it for years. Uh, this is a five-hour class, uh, but it goes super fast. And this yes. is a class that is a requirement for most first-time homebuyer programs or zero-down type loan programs as well. So for a lot of those programs, you have to have taken 
you know, one of these classes to, to qualify for special financing. So we're going to be running this class. We're still working on setting up the location. It'll be somewhere in the south end. Um, and, yeah. and maybe we'll possibly get your feedback Burien, on that. Burien or West, West Seattle. Seattle. We do, do West Seattle do. a lot, mm-hmm. but um, Burien is where we're doing a lot right. more business recently. So, And did you happen to mention the increase on the uh, Not yet. Qualifying well, I haven't even mentioned the date yet. Well, okay. So the date coming up is going to be October 20th. That's right. Right. So we always do it from like 10 to 3. 10 to 3. Typically so that you can get the rest of your weekend going. That's right. right. You know, you can you can wake up at a reasonable time, relax, have you know, go get coffee, that kind of thing, right? That's right. That's and then right. you can come in because you're going to need the coffee because we talked about the math part at the beginning. Keep them awake That's right. while you're talking. <laughs> and then I get to talk about the fun stuff. On the that, last half. That's right. That's after we have pizza, typically. Hey, I'll keep them awake. Uh-huh. They're going to be they're going to be learning about zero down. That's like a good thing. It does get people excited. Absolutely. And it is interactive. That's the other best part about our classes. That's, it's interactive. We're not just talking right. at you. We're talking with you. That's absolutely right. And uh, no, you're going to walk away like well educated, well armed, prepared. You know, to buy that home and knowing what the process is and also what your options are and how to intelligently shop. Mm-hmm. Not only for the home, but also for your financing. Super, super and important. And the agents and lender. All of the above. As well. All like, of the above. Because you got to know what, what skill sets they've got to have. That's right. That's right. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges we see for first-time buyers out there, especially these days, is the is the down payment. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they've got the income. Maybe their credit's okay. But they're just coming up short on the down payment. Mm-hmm. There is zero down or pretty close to zero down financing options available. Yes. These programs always have an income ceiling. You have to your income has to be below a certain level to qualify. But those income limits just increased about two weeks ago to one hundred and forty five thousand dollars a year. And that's so from, Wonderful. From that's 90, up from 97,000. Exactly. That's yeah. substantial. A big, big jump. Yes. So if you're at or below 145,000, uh, you very well may be eligible for zero down financing. So definitely worth, uh, worth checking out. Just can come I, sign up to our classes. You can do that by going to info at teamreba.com. Can I also just mention hmm. how beneficial when people go through the class and they do it successfully and you and I say that we always set our clients up for success. Yeah. The, the, house where I did the video with me in the gloves. Yeah. That was someone who came to one of our classes and they bought that house three years ago and between three years ago and they did either a zero down or very low down purchase on that home. Mm -hmm. They're getting about a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred, somewhere between a hundred, 150,000. Awesome. They bought that home for around 300. We're selling it for four fifty five. I mean, it is tremendous. The That's benefit. fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, they they had a pretty good time with also uh, what the rates were. But why don't you give everyone an update on rates real quick? Sure. Uh, we have pressure. We have headwinds going on uh, with interest rates. Uh, it's all because of the economy. The economy is booming. You know, and over the last few weeks, we've been getting some really strong economic statistics. You know, big big jobs report uh, last week kind of started a little bit of an upward trend on that. But the real thing that that um, the bond traders are looking at, which influences mortgage rates, are um, wage growth and yeah. um, inflation. And those are the two things that will cause mortgage rates to rise. Wages have not yet been rising at a, at a crazy pace, even mm-hmm. though we have one of the lowest unemployment rates in about 20 years. Right. Yeah, And, and jobs are being created at a, at a dramatic level right now. Uh, so 
a lot of the bond traders are concerned about that. It's like, why haven't they been going up? Why don't we have inflation at this point? And so the bond markets are somewhat bracing for, you know, what you could almost call a perfect storm. So we are seeing a little bit of upward pressure on rates. Still not 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 bad, but the national average for a 30-year fixed rate loan, 4.72%. 15-year fixed rates around 4.2%. FHA and VA loans hovering right around 4.4%. Again, those are okay. national averages. Your rates will vary depending on your situation, credit, all yes. of that. When we get back... We got an attorney in the house. Are we talking about evictions and Please other things do attorney, your attorney related? Jokes. Oh, you know it's coming. <laughs> oh, no. Stay my more open house with Team Rebound. Open house with Team Reba on AM fifteen eighty. The answer. Back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Ozis from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And we're here every Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock bringing you information on real estate and finance and other things important. And today is no exception. Uh, we have a lawyer in the house. We have Ryan Weatherstone with us. Yes. Uh, Ryan is an attorney with Puckett and Redford. Welcome, Ryan. Well, thank you. Thank you for the invite and thank you for having me up. Well, glad to, glad yes. to have you here. Before we jump into the whole Legal stuff. Yes. Reba, what's going on with the market? I'm hearing it's softening up. It is. We started talking about this in uh, June, July, Mm -hmm. that we were seeing what we were calling the Seattle summer slump. And we do have more inventory on than typical. In fact, I've been, um, again, if people want to go to my Facebook page, my personal page, I've been posting things from the Northwest Multiple showing the actives to price reduced to pendings and sold stats mm-hmm. and um, those numbers of new listings and price reductions uh, have been outpacing pending sales so we do still yeah. see some yeah. homes some homes that are selling in a few days or a week um, but at least a good 50 percent of homes are taking anywhere from 30 to 60 days at least to sell and so people have been overshooting the pricing yeah. market. And so we're seeing more price reductions. Um, and, you know, we see the same thing in our team. Like we have um, several new listings right now. So we've got a condo in the Tremonti building on East Lake that's going to have open houses this, this weekend that mm-hmm. we're talking about, right? Yeah. And then I also have a condo in Kirkland that's a two mm-hmm. bed, two bath. Really cool Beautiful. one, by the way. Yes, really cool one. And that's also on market. Both of those, by the way, one of them is a studio. And it's listed at 400 and the other one is two bed, two bath listed at 400 with two parking stalls. So it's interesting what you get from market to market, right? Yeah, That's one yeah. thing. But um, we are seeing a softening. So we're also starting to stop doing a lot of the offer review dates. And we're seeing more and more agents pulling offer review dates. Because at this point, you, you don't want to um, get a situation where actually you turn away buyers. Yeah. Because that's kind of what's starting to happen. And I'll tell you, I was out last weekend with one of our mutual clients. And of the properties we looked at, all of them, we were in Bothell and Linwood primarily. And all of them had been on market 30 
to 60 days at least. Every single one of them, and the price points were between four and 550000 This is a massive change from earlier this spring yes. and most of last year. Yeah. So well, and you were saying you, there's an appraiser out there. Yeah. we, we I just had an interaction with an appraiser who uh, is – uh, looking at a property in North Seattle, basically stating that the market peaked this spring mm-hmm. and is making I'd adjustments agree. of 1% per month, saying every month we're dropping down 1%. I don't I, really and I necessarily don't agree. agree with that. I don't agree with him on yeah. that. Yeah. It's just that we're seeing people who are overshooting pricing, not adjusting. The agents yes. aren't adjusting to the reality of what's going on. Right. And part of it is because I can tell you for a fact, some of those sellers haven't yet bought into the fact that this has right. happened. That it's softening up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've been fighting that for, for months also where you have a seller in, oh, I don't know, let's say Federal yeah. Way or, oh my gosh. or Everett don't get or, me started. or somewhere that they, they, they read what's going on in the, in this in our local mm-hmm. Seattle market or Bellevue market and think that that's oh, yeah. happening everywhere in the yeah. region and it's not. Well, you remember we had a mutual client, same thing down in federal way and the guy was like no my clients don't want to look at your early offer because yeah and i was like why because and he said well they're, they're expecting cash and over asking and i went did mm-hmm. you happen to notice this guy yeah, had federal only way. done two deals yeah. prior to this yeah i said did you happen to notice that every comp you have had financing not a single one had gone by cash like the cash buyers aren't in federal way my friend that's not what's happening in that market area so it was it was very very interesting in that conversation with him, and that's what finally got him to take our offer to his clients. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and, and it worked. And we it and worked, we sold though. it. Yeah, good job. You did. You're yes, that was did. very clever, by the way. Thank you very much. Just have to like that. Yes. So moving on. Yes. So I'm how excited. could we start a interview with an attorney without Don't, a good not lawyer one of your joke? Jokes, please. Oh. I just no 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 I won't. But you know Thank what, you. Ryan? How many lawyer jokes do you think are out there? Way too many. Way too many. <laughs> no, there's, there's only three. All the rest are true stories. <laughs> oh, so my there you gosh. Go. Oh, no. anyway. oh, you couldn't help yourself. <laughs> Just couldn't. You couldn't help yourself. Oh, my gosh. We're so sorry about that, listeners. So, or at least I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you saw his face, Eric's smiling broadly because yeah. he's so proud of himself right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thankfully, our guest is also laughing. So thank you, Ryan, for laughing because don't egg him on. Okay, yeah, don't do no, any more of that. Don't encourage him. Yeah. So for our listeners, how do not I feed met the radio host exactly. So how I met Ryan and how he ended up on our show today was I got to um, kind of MC, I guess, the legal forum for the Rental Housing Association of Washington, and they had a series of panelists. And Ryan was one of the panel members um, fielding questions from the audience about landlord-tenant laws and things of that nature. So uh, thank you again for accepting our invitation to be on the show. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. So um, loved so many of the answers that you had at that function. And I wanted to have our listeners get an opportunity because we cover four main segments within this, uh, this real estate show. And they're usually Residential Insider, Investor Angle, green building and design, and then regional impact. And right now, landlord-tenant law has a lot of regional impact. Huge regional impact And, right of now. course, the investor Especially angle. Especially in Seattle. Right, precisely. Well, I mean, all around here. And then, you know, landlord-tenant law obviously speaks directly to the investor angle, right? And even on the residential side, a lot of people who are landlords sometimes don't think of themselves that way because, like, maybe they bought another house and kept their old house as a rental, and they just don't really kind of think about themselves as this kind of a business owner, but it really is. 
So we wanted to bring you on and talk about some of these topics. Oh, yeah, and you're correct. It is a, you know, this is a business. Whether you're a small-time landlord that only has one or two properties or whether you have um, 300 to 600 units, uh, Mm -hmm. it still needs to be run as a business. And it's important to understand all the laws that may impact you and and how to best approach them. Absolutely, absolutely. So there was a bunch of phenomenal questions that came up during that event, and I wanted to bring them to this show uh, one of the ones that I found fascinating because, like, I have no smoking policies because I'm an I'm an owner investor, right? And same thing with mm-hmm, Eric, right? And um, because the 420 is a big deal now in Washington, right? So there's a lot of legal cannabis and whatnot. I have no smoking policies uh, in place for my properties, but when it's become a legalized, I mean, a bunch of people were asking the question, like. How does that affect my smoking policy? Because also for some folks, they're concerned that maybe if there's that going on, that maybe there's some other things like that are not legal Mm -hmm. that could be happening as well. So how does somebody approach that? Sure. Well, it's still smoke. So it's still going to be, if you have a no smoking policy, it's still going to be a violation of your lease agreement. If you are smoking marijuana or whether you're smoking cigarettes or whatever you're smoking, Mm -hmm. it's going to be against that violation or it's going to be a violation of your lease agreement. In addition to that, while it is legal under Washington law, it is still illegal under federal law. Um, Now, the level of enforcement that we've seen over the past couple of years has gone down a lot. um, But there are still uh, repercussions for a landlord who does have, who, you know, who does have uh, illegal marijuana going on 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 the property, whether it be a grower operation or even somebody just smoking. There are potential repercussions of the uh, of the federal government stepping well, in. Well, if it's a grow operation, uh, not a legal one, as a as an owner, you could lose your house, correct? Correct. Yeah. correct. Oh, so they could take that oh, yeah. in a... It can okay. be seized. It can be seized, even if, the, even if the person who does the violation doesn't own the home? If you know about it. Oh. Uh, that is that is a fear among among some of, some of the uh, landlords that I've dealt with in the past. It, that is a fear that if the property, uh, if the federal government does find out that there's a grow operation growing going on in that property, that they may be seized. Um, okay. With marijuana, the best the best course of action on this is going to be don't allow it at the property. It's still illegal mm-hmm. under federal law. Uh, enforce your no smoking policy. Right. Okay. And if somebody has a smoking policy, I guess uh, just direct them to your friend down the street. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right? exactly. Problem just solved. Go in the street. Down the yeah. street. Yeah. <laughs> or go in the street. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One yeah. of the two. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Um, one of the other questions, and I love that you also brought some of the ones that you thought were kind of interesting. Um, companion animals. Those have come up a lot lately. And I know people are talking mostly because like airlines have been changing their companion animal policies. <laughs> and and we have to do I actually had a client, uh, another mutual client of Eric and I, who they knew the building they were buying into, a condo building, allowed cats. And they had a senior dog. And they went, hey, what's... And they kept calling me up and saying, hey, what's it take to get an animal labeled as a service animal? And I went... I, I, I cannot answer that for you. Maybe Google it. I don't know. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I already told you what the policy is. Like, I can't, I can't be engaged in that question. Like, <laughs> look it up. I, like, you have to deal with that with the HOA on your own. But how, do, how does somebody, a landlord, deal with that? Well, a companion animal is, is allowed underneath fair housing, whether it's in right. a rental situation mm-hmm. or whether you're, you're living in a condo. Um, 
If a tenant's disability is not readily apparent, you can ask for a doctor's letter prescribing it. Okay, um, describe readily apparent, just so everyone knows the difference. Well, I mean, if, if somebody's in a wheelchair, that's going to be readily apparent. Mm-hmm. With, with a but con- emotional support dogs, not so much. Uh, yeah, it's going to, unless you can really read auras or something like that, it's going to be hard. To... How's your cheek? <laughs> like, put that in your application question. You look a, you look a little orange today. <laughs> Feeling yeah, a bit jaundiced. <laughs> yeah. But it is perfectly acceptable to, if, you, if the disability is not readily apparent, it's perfectly acceptable to go ahead and ask for a doctor's letter recommending. That. Now, you can't ask for the underlying condition. You can just, a simple doctor's letter that states. So you have to be careful with your questioning. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, otherwise, you're going you're gonna to be running into privacy issues, and that's not what you want to well, do. Well, companion right. animal. So can we restrict the type of animal? Like airlines have now, I don't think they'll allow like your companion boa constrictor, uh, boa constrictor or your, your you know horse or whatever to be your companion. I thought one actually just had approved ponies. I believe underneath, um, oh, for an actual service animal, which is going to be different than a, than a companion animal, a service animal can be a dog or a small horse. Those okay. are the two definitions of, of what kind, kind of animals of... are going to fit within that definition. There you go. Now, mm. with a companion animal, I've seen things such as companion plants. I don't know what Pardon that, me? A companion plant. Um, a doctor's recommendation for a companion plant. Uh, the advice that we usually give is, is it worth facing down a discrimination laws right. if you if right. you reject yeah. it? Okay. So. I guess right. pet rocks are going to make a comeback. Oh, good. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm not dissing that because I, I do know people who need companion animals, so I'm well, not dissing that. It's like, and, and this kind of leads us down the path, though, Ryan. I mean, as, as a landlord, and especially if I am, am new to being a landlord or I own just a, a few properties, you know, sometimes the biggest risk is not knowing what you don't know. And, uh, and that's something that can kind of come up here. But when we yeah. come back, we're going to dig right back into that. we got lots and lots of questions for you um, and want to know, especially what uh, rules specifically apply to Seattle and how that all goes. So stay tuned. More Open House uh, with Team Reba. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. The answer. Back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba Remax Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yes, and we still have on with us Ryan Weatherstone from Puckett and Redford. Hello. Thank you again. So um, we were just starting to dive into landlord-tenant issues, and I know we were saying as we come back from the break that we wanted to start focusing a little on Seattle because there's been a Mm. lot of – we've done a lot of shows. We've had Sean Martin from the Rental Housing Association on here several times, right? Yes. And, you know, we were thrilled when they helped get the first-in-time issue overturned, right? That was nice. But there's a lot of other stuff still going on. There really is. And and just kind of a plug for the Rental Housing Association. If you're a landlord and you're not a member of the Rental Housing Association of Washington, please, please, please join. It's inexpensive. The information is is so invaluable. Forms, forums advice, vendors, you name it. Leases. It's, it's really, really good in there. Screening services. Yeah. So, so phenomenal. So go to rhawa.org, Rental Housing Association of Washington, 
and uh, and sign up. It's absolutely you know worth worth the time and the very very small yes. amount of money it costs to join. And the thing is, you know, I know we're going to be focusing some on the Seattle questions, but they cover multi county. Actually, they're the state now, aren't statewide. they? Statewide. They're statewide, mm-hmm. and they. Their information they provide is for all these different municipalities. So they're not just Seattle focused. There's no. so many because every little city has its own rules. And they really are the voice in Washington state for mm-hmm. a landlord, which, yes. you know, is vilified and, you know, every, everything else, especially if you uh, listen to anything that the Seattle City Council has to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's, they're, they're really, really a, a, a wonderful source of information and advocacy for landlords. Yeah. Well, so. your favorite person. They yes. had a when I did the legal forum with RHA and Ryan here, um, our favorite person Schwarma was yeah. out there with a protest across the street. It was very interesting. So we had a police presence at our function that was kind of interesting. I actually took pictures of you her. Know, I wanted to walk out there and actually invite her on our show because we keep trying to get her. We both have invited her multiple times. There's I know. no way she's going to come on this show. I. There's no way. Hey, Sharma, you're invited. Yeah, come on. Join Info us. Info at TeamReba.com. Yeah. Call hey, me directly, Sharma. 206-910-3429. You have an economics background. So do I. Let's talk economics, <laughs> Bring shall it, we? baby. Yeah, oh, we're going to throw down in the studio. Yeah. I would love it so much. That would be the best show ever. We'd have to do that on Facebook Live, too, just in case it turned into a wrestling match. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Ryan's totally cracking up. Like, I don't, I don't want to send him into a coffee. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> started. But, okay. Yeah, I know. No, you'll get all upset. So, okay. So, Ryan, let's get back to you. And Seattle. Um, Speaking of and Seattle. And Seattle, right. So, uh, one of the other questions was whether or not, because part of the things that's going on in Seattle is like you can't have a deposit larger than one month's rent. But someone asked, are there any special circumstances where you can do more? And that was an issue that was raised, and that's something that the city council took um, under advisement when they were trying to pass this law back in 2016. Uh, what happens when you have a tenant with a rental history or a bad credit history where you would allow them to be in your unit if they paid an additional deposit to secure you against any potential losses. Um, And the city shot that down. So there really Mm. are no circumstances where you can require an extra deposit. So who is that supposed to really benefit? I mean, because honestly, if someone then writes their rental criteria to say nobody with this background, well, that doesn't help the tenant. And, yeah, that you know that wasn't that was an issue that was raised by the landlord lobby and, and RHA specifically right. um, during these council meetings. Um, it was something that they considered. They did not feel it was. Um, it, they, they did not feel it matched up with the with the legislation they wanted to push through, and so we have that very blank and very hard prohibition against anything more than one month's worth of rent. And or, even that one month. Can't uh, a a tenant require that be spread out over six months? Correct. If it's a year-long lease or if it's a – it depends on how long the lease is, but most Mm. leases are going to be about a year long. You can pay that in six equal installments beginning with the very first month and the next next five months after that. But But if the tenant asks for it, they're required to provide it, right? Correct. Correct. So that's the whole thing is I don't think a lot of tenants know that, but if that becomes more common knowledge – I have a feeling a lot of landlords are going to be kind of like, hey, 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 wait a minute. What just happened? No, that's like, already that's already happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're yeah. seeing that? Yeah. I have personal friends who have decided to just sell their homes in Seattle uh, and, and get because out of it. Because they've had it happen. They're, they're just sick of the hassle. Yeah, right. Yeah. But so, so I'll give you an example. Let's say you've got a prospective tenant and they're new to the area. They have not established themselves. Maybe they're new to the country. 
and they want to prepay their rent for, let's say, six months. So to take the risk away from from the landlord of not having a, a, a good credit check or something. Can a landlord accept that? Uh, I mean, a landlord can charge. The, the prohibition is against non-refundable, uh, non-refundable charges and what we call a security deposit. Okay. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, hmm. I'm not entirely sure how the Department of Construction and Inspections would view that type of issue if you required two months of rent paid up front because it's not a deposit. Hmm. A deposit is historically seen as the tenant's property you just put into your bank right. account or a bank account that you have. I see. Uh, as to where rent is actually the landlord's. Got it. Got it. What are some other things that a landlord in Seattle specifically needs to be aware of or watch out for? Because I know that sometimes the risk is not knowing what you don't know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of little laws. One of the one of the ones that flies underneath the radar most often is every time there's a new tenancy or every time a tenant renews a lease agreement, you have to go ahead and provide them a a, a packet that has been developed mm-hmm. by the city of Seattle. Yeah. Failure to give them that packet means the tenant can go ahead and unilaterally terminate an existing lease agreement in the middle of the lease and owe nothing further after it. It basically Whoa. makes it a month-to-month tenancy. Now, you just said when you renew a lease, even. And that, that was a law that was recently passed along with the deposit issues. Oh, that's right. That came up a lot mm-hmm. at the forum. Now, what, People what were about, shocked by that. What about a standard lease that it's, let's say it's a one-year lease, but after that the lease converts to a month-to-month? We okay there? Uh, you have to provide it once a year. Really? At that point. And that, that's a new law that came mm-hmm. into effect in, I think, I, I told you January. this thing was fascinating. I was so glad that they Yikes. asked me to help be, you know, MC, what, I, what, moderator, whatever it was. I was. Yeah. yeah I'm not moderate that often, so <laughs> I'm a big personality. Just putting it lightly. <laughs> and the department will go ahead and they'll update this every now and again. Yeah. Um, maybe every six months, maybe every three months, whenever there's a, there's a major change in the law. And it is a landlord's requirement to go ahead and provide a brand new copy of that packet to the tenants within 30 days of the law change, which the landlord may not may or may not know about. And a lot of these things fly underneath the radar. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, so I'm even thinking of like there was one gentleman that I met at that event, and I unfortunately didn't get his his contact info. He has mine. So if you're listening out there, please please get in contact with me. But he had inherited 100 units in City of Seattle. And he was like deer in the headlights after that event, just like, I need a property manager because that's, I mean, I'm always a big proponent of people having property management because of exactly what we're discussing right now, because property managers have to be on top of that kind of stuff, right? Correct. Um, In the city of Seattle, there are a lot of little laws that you need to have some experience. Um, if you're going to if you're going to be handling multiple properties, right? Yeah, I have people ask me about adding property management to my portfolio of services, and I'm always reluctant for just these kinds of reasons because I already have enough laws just on the buying and selling of real estate that to get into property management, I mean, that's a whole other level of knowledge base that, as you're saying, changes all the time. You know, it's one thing when we get occasional form changes, you know, and other things that impact the purchase and sale of things, but rental laws change so much more frequently. Yeah. What else in Seattle does a, a landlord need to be, be worried about? The biggest one is probably the uh, the just cause eviction ordinance. Okay. And that was a law that was passed around 1980, and it's been amended a few times since mm-hmm. that point. Uh, but the, in- the intent behind that was to prohibit 
arbitrary terminations of the tenancy. And mm-hmm. so they sure. have a list of about six, at, at this point. Or someone about, being penalized, like maybe they don't get along with their landlord, and the landlord's like, get out, yeah. too bad, doesn't matter if you have a lease. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's about 16 reasons at this point. It's grown to about a list of 16 different reasons. Most of them uh, allow you to go ahead and terminate a tenancy if the tenant is not paying the rent or if they're not following the terms of the lease agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just issue a 20-day notice to terminate the tenancy, though. You need to state what the just cause reason is. Um, and that's going to apply to lease agreements that continue on month-to-month after their initial term um, or month-to-month tenancies. The one situation in which it does not apply and which RHA has gone ahead and created a lease form or a little mm-hmm. lease checkbox to go ahead and address this issue is what we call terminating lease agreements, lease agreements that do not have the right to hold over after that initial term. You have to leave at the end of that term. Um, the reason behind that is... The law prohibits a landlord from issuing a notice, not terminating the tenancy. So it's just if the landlord issues a notice, that can be a violation of of the law. With a terminating lease contract, no notice is required in order to terminate. It just stops. It just stops. You have to add that specific language to the lease itself. Oh, wow. What if I'm selling a home? I know. That's exactly where I was going because I work with people selling property all the time that tenants are there, right? Yes. So and in, in, in the city of Seattle, there are I, I want to talk about two different things. Number one, condos, which are treated differently, condos and townhomes, which mm-hmm. are treated differently. And then there are um, the, you know, your standard single family home. Right. So if you're selling a single family home, you can go ahead and issue a 90 day notice that you, of your intention to sell the home. But it is 90 days. A lot of people don't realize that. 90 days. And you have to have it on the market within, I believe, 60 days after the tenant vacates the property. Wow. Wow. Um, you can go ahead. That is one of the just cause reasons to terminate the tenancy. One of the questions that I received a lot when I did work for the Department of Construction and Inspections was, what about my condo? Mm-hmm. I, I want to sell my condo. I only own one of them. I need, I need to sell it. Right. Condo does not fit the definition of a single family home in the city of Seattle. Because so, it's not detached. Because it's not detached. What about it, townhomes? They don't have their own foundation. And so that doesn't count as a single family dwelling well, unit uh, either. Is that true, though? Because I've sold townhomes where I've heard that they actually have, like they build them as single envelopes. Mm-hmm. Even though they have a shared wall, they've got their own envelope. Is that really? Well, I guess what we look at for the definition of a single family home is, is it attached or is it, is it if it's completely detached and has its own foundation, it's going to be considered a single family okay. home. Um, but townhomes don't count either. Uh, maybe my definition Generally. of townhome, I'm, I'm not quite clear on what my definition of townhome is, but it's, uh-huh. you know, the definition of single family house is found within the code. And if it doesn't fit that definition, you can't use that reason. That is, I have a little homework to do. I think after this, because we've, you know, we have people who come to us all the time. They're like, Hey, I want to sell my place. And I'm like, Oh, well you have somebody there. And you know, and sometimes people have just roommates. Does any of this apply if it's a roommate situation, even if they're on a lease? Well, actually we're going to have to answer that when we get back from the break. Right, right. So when we come back, we've got more questions for Ryan Weatherstone with Puckett and Redford, uh, more on open house of team Reba. Stay tuned. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. The answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. 
Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Hass from Team Reba. And with us today, we've got Ryan Weatherstone, who's an attorney with Puckett and Redford. And Ryan, thank you so much again for joining us. Oh, no is, problem. Thank you for having me. This has been great information, and we're learning oh, all yeah. kinds about, uh, of course, Seattle ordinances and, and things a landlord needs to pay attention to and be careful about. And uh, we were just talking about um, you know, some, some rules that are specific to the city of Seattle, but as we all know, as Seattle goes, typically so goes the rest of the region. Right. So when, when things are changing and not necessarily in a good way for landlords, it's really important, even if you don't live in Seattle or own rental properties in Seattle, that you pay very close attention to that because that be, could be coming your way as well. Uh, we were talking over the break about Section 8 housing. And I have quite a few customers that uh, have Section oh, 8 tenants. thanks for stealing my thunder. I was going to start oh. with my other question, but go right ahead. All right. Go right well, ahead. You're over there texting. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing over there, but... Uh, I'm responding to my brother who's starting his stem cell transplant oh. today. So thanks very much. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> you insensitive. Jeez. Now I, now I feel like a, <laughs> Now I feel bad. Oh. <laughs> well, I hope he does well. Yes, thank so, you. So good, good. So there's some changes coming up on Section 8 housing. Yes, um, back in this last uh, legislative session, the uh, state of Washington did pass a source of income discrimination bill. And what that means is that a landlord, beginning on September 30th of this year, Mm -hmm. a landlord is no longer allowed to deny a tenant based solely on on a legal source of income. Section 8 would be considered a legal source of income. So mm-hmm. um, you can't deny a tenant based on the fact that they use the Section 8 process. Okay, can project. we, for any listener who's not familiar with this, because there's going to be a bunch of our mm-hmm. listeners who might own rental What's property, yeah. but other people are going to be like, what is Section 8? Is that like a, you know an egg crate? Is that what better is than like... Section 7? Exactly. <laughs> you know. So Section 8 is a, it's a HUD program that, mm-hmm. that, that pays a portion of the rent for, uh, for low-income tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It takes a while to get onto the program. Sometimes there's wait mm-hmm. lists. Um, probably one of the best things that one can have is a Section 8 voucher that allows you go, to go to a private landlord. And it basically insert, enters into a three-way contract, the landlord with the, with the housing authority, the landlord with the tenant, and the right. tenant with the housing authority. The mm-hmm. landlord will go ahead and pay a portion, or the housing authority will pay a portion of the of the tenant's rent, and the tenant has to pay the other portion. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some requirements that you have to meet. You have to have an inspection that's done with the property. Yep. I've had Section 8 mm-hmm. tenants, so yeah. I've been through this process, yeah. So, yeah. And sometimes it can be quite rigorous because, you know, they're looking for, like, lead-based paint, and there are other, other things that may be health-related issues, right, that, that they want you to clean up, or a window's broken, so it's safety and security and habitability and all of that. Correct. And so every house that you go into, or every time they... they if you're, if you're signing up for the new Section 8 program, you, there's usually going to be an inspection that's going to be required. Right. So that's going to be something that landlords may have to start going through. Well, that's happening in Seattle pretty much with every rental property anyway already. Well, that's the Rio program. Mm-hmm. Well, And Seattle does have an income discrimination prohibition mm-hmm. as well, and sure. they've had that in place for a while. Bellevue has it. Redmond has it. Unincorporated. What do you mean by that? Uh, income discrimination. Yeah, mean uh, like where the income comes from, or right. Yes, where the income okay. comes from. So like gotcha. the Section Eight program, or a veterans, or any type of veterans program that oh, is going to part pay okay. part of the rent. Okay, it's been in effect in unincorporated King County and a few a few of the um, a few of the cities around mm-hmm. here for a while, specifically Seattle. I just was curious because we mentioned four two zero and cannabis. I actually don't get involved in those transactions because 
if you're someone who benefits from a person whose money comes from those and if there was a seizure or something like that, like you can lose whatever you've earned. And if I, as a real estate agent, sell a property and it was money from one of those programs, I might have to give my commission back. And this is only for legal sources of income. Right. Illegal sources of income are not that yeah. you can still discriminate if somebody's right. selling heroin and that's their right. main source of income. Yeah. So that's, got it. Even well, in I don't, Seattle? I don't want them as my tenant anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course. But all right. So why is this why is this becoming such a big issue? And why are people kind of afraid of it? I think there's there's a fear that there's going to be an anti Section Eight backlash, or landlords mm-hmm. aren't accepting people who are. Uh, I know, on the I've Section seen 8 ads where someone has said, "No Section Eight. and I've always been surprised by that. And you know, participants of the Section Eight program are, are you know, they're going to keep care of the property just as well as a normal tenant is going to. But there there's a negative stigma out there about right. um, participants of the Section Eight program, and I think this bill is attempting to address that and attempting to. Um, Basically, not allow it. You know, not mm-hmm. allow mm-hmm. Or, or any type of dis- discrimination whatsoever. Even if it right. means the landlord has to jump through a few extra, extra hoops. But a good part of this program too, there is a landlord mitigation fund that has also been set up. When if there's oh, a delay okay. in the program or if there's a delay in the tenancy beginning due to the inspection, the landlord can apply to this landlord mm-hmm. mitigation yeah. program. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent familiar with how it all works, but it is something that can provide well, a little bit of relief for landlords. And I have I have uh, customers that have actually had very good experiences with Section Eight tenants. Yeah, um, I had one for 14 years. Right. And she was delightful. Right. The other thing that is a factor though is if you do have a Section 8 tenant and you intend to increase the rent on your property, that does need to be approved and it's you know, by the state. And it's often not. <laughs> I've had fairly good luck with it, actually. Really? Yeah, oh, I right. did not. It's been all right. I did not. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, so, I was in a different state. In yeah, different so a few so extra hoops you have to it. jump through. But um, <laughs> all right. Well, okay. okay. So so not – okay, this is fine. We can we can, we so can, not we can live with that one. Okay. Okay, what about the – we got the, the, the loud, noisy, obnoxious tenant. They're yelling at each mm-hmm. other. The cops are getting called all the time. Domestic violence uh, issues. Uh, you know, as a landlord, I'm finally fed up with it. I give them a 10-day, you know, get the heck out. You know, but what happens after that 10 days? Um, after the 10 days, those notices are going to be good for 60 days. So if a tenant reoffends or if a tenant um, violates – the conditions of your lease agreement or whatever the 10-day notice mm-hmm. was supposed to address, if it, they violate that after the 10th day, um, before that notice expires 60 days down the road, you can proceed forward with an eviction. Okay, um, you can. You can. There, there is a remedy. There's a misconception in the city of Seattle that you have to have three of them in a 12-month period before moving forward. Um, that's not true. Noncompliance with one notice is enough to move forward on an eviction. Oh, really? Okay. So how did it was it just like some weird hearsay thing that started this whole like oh no you got to like tenants to tenant conversations or was there like a website there touting was a, this? I, I I know there's an old landlord tenant attorney who I won't name okay. um, who held that belief um, and nobody oh. really corrected him on it mm. oh and I think he told a lot of his clients that and it's uh, it, uh, it got around, okay. um, but that is not the case. That okay. Is, so non-compliance with the notice is enough to move Well, that's good to know. So if you were one of that person's uh, clients, we're just telling you right now, one is good. All right. Okay. And Ryan, know. I know that your firm really sort of specializes in, yeah. in, in evictions. And so I have, I have a couple of questions for you. But before I even get to that, how can people reach you if they have questions for you? Yes. Sure. Uh, the, the best way to probably go is to go to PucketRedford.com. Can you spell that for Puckett? Um, sure. It's P-U-C-K-E-T-T 
R-E-D-F-O-R-D.com. Okay. Um, so two T's. Uh, two T's. And, and that'll have all our contact information. Okay. And that'll have some common forms that people can also use as well. So. Awesome. And all when right. we have this on our replay uh, on our blog and website, we'll have this information posted as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening right now and you're not getting, maybe you're driving in your car and you can't get a chance to write it down, you can go back and re-listen to this. And we'll also have it on the blog with all of your contact information. Absolutely. Well, thank you. So, so let's say that you do unfortunately have to take a, a, a tenant to the eviction process. What, what's the typical time frame? the cost, what's involved? You know, how, how do you go about getting that started? Sure, in I, one minute or less. In one minute or less. Because <laughs> that's about how much we have left. Um, you know, the process can take between 30 to 60 days. It, in the co- oh, that's it? Uh, I always hear it's like six months. It, six months is a little bit too long. I mean, okay. the unlawful detainer process is a shortcut process. The whole point behind the unlawful detainer action is to resolve property disputes quickly and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can take between a month to two months. Uh, the cost, you know, different attorneys are going to cost you know, different amounts. So, you right. know, there's an attorney out there I know that charges $3,000 to just start. Uh, we are mm. much we are much lower than that. Okay. Um, um, but it really depends on how much time and effort the attorney is going to have to put into the matter. So. Okay. Okay. Do people um, have to put in a retainer like you do with some attorneys in that kind of situation? Or is it just a charged by the hour kind of thing? or um, It's usually charged by the service. That's, that's kind of how we, okay. we do it, charged by Fee the for service. service. Got yeah. it. Um, okay. Some will do by the hour. Some will do charged by the service. Um, okay. So. All right. Excellent. Well, that's good. That's honestly, I just learned something right there because I have had this belief it's been six months for a long time. So I'm like that guy with the three notices. Absolutely. So, anyway, so Ryan Weatherstone, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate having you on. We'd love to have you back. Well, thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. All right. Thank you all, everyone. Hope this is a great show for you. We'll see you next Saturday at two o'clock. Thanks for listening into Open House with Team Reba. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for more Open House with Team Reba here on AM 1590. The Answer. The preceding program was sponsored by Team Reba of REMAX Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage.